0: One, two, three, four. Screen time. my screen time Hello and welcome to It's My Screen Time Two, the, the podcast time, where two moms time, make a new year's resolution to make resolutions next year. <laughs> twenty twenty. Woo! Gonna be my year. <laughs> I'm
1: Deborah. And I'm Katie.
0: And I have three kids. I have a nine-year-old and two six-year-olds.
1: And I have two kids as well. I have a three-year-old and a four-month-old who is currently, please, 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 going down for a nap. Our kids are pretty darn adorable, aren't they, Deborah? They are most of the time. (laughs) Yeah. So, we like to start off every episode by sharing a little story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are, just to get that out of our systems before we get down to business. So, Deborah, what what have your kids done this week?
0: Um, So, this gets filed under cute things that kids say that are a little bit mixed up, and we're always working on manners, and Nate has been saying, when he's asking me to do something, may you please... Instead of, can you please? Mm -hmm. So, may you please pour me another glass of milk? May you please take the toothpaste cap off the toothpaste tube? It's so cute, and I'm not going to correct him. I'm just happy he's saying please and asking in a nice voice.
1: so. So, you know how when your kids first start talking, there's a period of time where, like, you feel like your only verbal interaction with them is them asking you to do something, them asking you to get something, or, like asking you what or why Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. so the rare instances when you find yourself like actually having a conversation it's totally awesome right (laughs) so I picked Jay up from school the other day and I asked him like I always do what he did at school and he said to me what he always says which is I'm saving it for your birthday I don't know why he always (laughs) says that So I turned on the Pirates of the Caribbean radio, assuming it was going to be a ride home like it always is. And all of a sudden he says, Mommy, can you turn that down? Let's have a talk. How was your day? What did you do? Aww. (laughs) And I was like, whoa. It's like I'm talking to a real person.
0: (laughs) That's nice. He sees you as a person. (laughs) With a life outside of getting him goldfish crackers.
1: Exactly. It was nice to know, at least for that brief period of time. Now, you know, we're back to business as usual, but. (laughs) 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 So we read a new article for our Screen Time in the News segment, and I actually have to look up the title because I didn't write it down. So it's a CBS News article called Groundbreaking Study Examines Effects of Screen Time on Kids. Which sounds like it's right up our alley. Uh, Deborah. do you want to take a crack at summarizing it, or do you want me to?
0: Sure. I actually watched the video. It was a segment on 60 Minutes, so we'll link to it. You can read about it or watch uh, Silver Fox Anderson Cooper interview a bunch of uh, researchers about it. It's a big uh, National Institute of Health study that is tracking nine to ten-year-olds, I think they're going to track them for ten years and um, compare the brains of kids who get a lot of screen time with the brains of kids who don't get a lot of screen time, basically, and see if it's addictive. Yes, it is. Right? (laughs) I can tell you that. Um, And how a lot of screen time might actually be changing kids' brains. (laughs) Uh, The 60-minute segment that I – watched also talk to some researchers who are studying like babies or toddlers Mm -hmm. and how screen time affects them pediatricians don't recommend it because um in part because it's addictive they won't give back an ipad to the researcher (laughs) when they're they'll gladly like hand over a toy in (laughs) like when the toy is the control object i guess in the experiment um the concepts that a baby might be doing on an iPad don't translate to real life. Mm-hmm. So it's not really that educational. And then they also talked a little bit about um, researchers who are studying the effects of screen time on teenagers. And that one made me the most sad.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. um, they were talking about like looking at Instagram and apps like that it gives you like a hit of dopamine. So you feel really good. So you keep going back for more. And yet, when surveyed, teenagers now are, like, the most lonely and depressed teenagers that the United States has ever had. And it might be because the apps on on their phones, but it also might just be, like, the amount of time they're spending on their phones. I don't know. This brought me down that segment on the teenagers.
1: Yeah. I mean... Everything we hear about research about screen time is kind of a downer. So I'm looking forward to having like a long term study that'll give actual answers. I mean by the time it's done it'll be useless to us.
0: Maybe not for Kenny. Maybe that's true. maybe there's hope for Kenny.
1: That's true. <laughs> but Kenny's the yeah, only one. Tony'll be
0: like Tony's the age of those kids, so he'll be in college when that longitudinal study is published.
1: Right.
0: Maybe. He he might not go to college that's fine too
1: well maybe he's had too much screen time so he won't get in (laughs) that's not true deborah is very responsible about (laughs) screen time with her kids (laughs) um i just wonder how they got parents to sign their kids up for this because are they like forcing one group of kids to consume at one point they mentioned seven plus hours of screen time per day for 10 years yeah
0: for nine to Kids who are 9 to 10 years old now, I don't I don't know. They glossed over it because it was just a 12-minute segment on 60 Minutes, which is more in-depth than a lot of news programs go. But, yeah, we didn't read the actual study
1: notes. Right. The article that I read was just like a script of the 60 minutes segment. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just can't imagine volunteering my kid to consume seven hours of screen time per day. I mean, I would get a lot done.
0: You would, but... Their brain matter could change.
1: (laughs) 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 So in summary, screen time and kids, still terrifying.
0: Right. Even though we don't have the results of that
1: study. So I don't know. Keep setting limits, parents. Yeah. Did you ever read that book that I may have mentioned it on the podcast before? Um, It came out a long time ago. I want to say maybe more than 10 years ago now. So I wonder how the author feels about the content, um, I think it's Stephen Johnson, and it's called "Everything Bad Is Good for You." And it's like a case Mm-mm. for how video games and television restructure our brains, but for the better, to allow us to <laughs> like think of problems in a different way. I read it way, way, way back then, and remember thinking it was really interesting. Of course, I didn't have kids then. iPhones weren't a thing yet. Um, So it might be interesting to revisit or to see if he has, like, published any sort of update to it.
0: Yeah, link to it. That sounds interesting. I wonder if he's followed up. Yeah,
1: definitely. So speaking of following up, do we have follow-up from our last episode at all?
0: Well, I know the holidays are over, but I just want to say that we watched The Grinch, Mm -hmm. the new movie, Mm -hmm. in the theater, and it was so good. Oh, yeah. Put it on your watch list for next year. It's a instant updated classic I think
1: oh awesome hopefully uh Jay will have a change of heart by next year and decide he actually wants to watch Christmas movies he's been such a pill about it this year he's just not interested (laughs) I do also have one other important piece of follow-up about how old Jake Gyllenhaal was when he made the day after tomorrow (laughs) I looked it up. Deborah said he was really old to be playing a teenager. And he was 24, which I feel like, yes, is old to be playing a teenager, but not by today's standards.
0: That's true. I think that's a pretty average age for, because remember Gossip Girl? Uh-huh. Those actors were all in their 20s. Yeah. All right. <laughs> You'll allow it. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for fact-checking me, though. That's really good. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. Should we move on to today's topic? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Today we watched and are about to discuss Peg plus Cat. I finally get why there's a plus sign Mm -hmm. instead of an and sign in the title. So Peg plus Cat is about a little girl named Peg and her cat, who's blue, and each episode kind of confronts a problem, which they usually solve with a math concept.
1: I thought you were just going to leave it at a math, and I was <laughs> <laughs> love love that as a jumping off point for our discussion. <laughs> okay, go on. Um, we it's
0: pretty educational, um, geared towards the preschool set. Um, it's by PBS Kids, so you can watch it on PBS Kids, and it's also available on Amazon Prime. It premiered in January 2013, and it is based on a book by the creators, Jennifer Oxley and Billy Aronson, um, and the book they wrote is titled The Chicken Problem. So we picked it because it's been a little while since we watched a preschool show, and we like to cycle through shows or movies geared to our all different ages of kids. And it features math, which is interesting. Not a lot of kids' shows do that as a exclusive, pretty exclusive focus. Yeah. I'd say. So we watched season one, episode one: the chicken problem and the space creature problem. Then from season two, we watched episode nine, The Perfect Ten Problem, The Long Line Problem, and season five, episode seven, The Camp Problem, and The Two Homes Problem. So Katie, would you like to start us off with a quick summary of season one, episode one?
1: I would love to. So the chicken problem starts with Peg, Cat, and Pig on a farm. They're having a picnic. And they each have a piece of pie, but they have one piece of pie going spare. So, they talk a little bit about everyone's piece of pie is just the right size, so Peg is the biggest, so she gets the biggest piece. And then comes Pig, so he has the medium sized piece, and then comes Cat, so he has the smallest piece, but then they have one even smaller piece, so Cat lets a chicken out of the chicken coop to eat the unclaimed pie, but then all 100 chickens in the chicken coop escape. And Peg, Cat, and an unwilling pig have to get all the chickens back into the coop before the farmer notices they're gone. Ramon, their friend who works on the farm, loans them some wheelbarrows to carry the chickens back to the coop. And they learn more about each having a load that's the appropriate size. They pile a different number of chickens into each wheelbarrow, and so they learn that the biggest person has to take the biggest load, the smallest person the smallest, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So that's the chicken problem. Do you want me to summarize the space creature problem real quick? Sure. Okay, so Peg Cat and their little alien friend named Richard are visited on the purple planet by a spaceship from the farm containing pig and all 100 chickens. The chickens are in danger because Big Mouth, a space creature that lives on the purple planet, likes to eat things that are small and yellow, like chickens. Luckily, they run into Ramon, who is on the planet collecting space rocks for NASA. He lends them some containers that can hold 10 chickens each, and they get the chickens back to their spaceship while learning about counting by 10s. That was the first episode of Pig Plus Cat. Deborah, what did you think?
0: I thought it was cute. I have seen this show before because my kids used to watch it for a brief amount of time, and I did not pay close attention because I liked it because it had cute music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't even realize it was a show about math.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, Deborah, music is really just math. Right, 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 right. (laughs) What did you think? Right off the bat, I loved that they were so frank about Peg's mental health. Because she has total panic attacks in like every little episode, something happens and she'll be like, I'm freaking out. And Mm -hmm. Kat reminds her to count backwards from five to calm down, which I feel like is a good lesson for all of us, whether we are preschoolers or grownups. Yes. I also, unsurprisingly, love Richard. We have discussed in the past how much I love a good stick in the mud and Richard His reaction to Peg declaring that they have a big problem is always to start crying. And I just love it. Me too, little guy.
0: What kind of animal is Richard?
1: Isn't he an alien? Okay. Okay. I thought he was an alien from the Purple Planet. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And of course, Pig is my second favorite because he is lazy and he only speaks in song.
0: And he has an operatic voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I liked him a lot.
1: So right away, I was drawn to at least a couple of the characters, and I was excited to watch more.
0: So the next episode that we watched, uh, from season two, episode nine, the first part of that show is a game show where Ramon hosts. Everybody gets a ten, no matter how they how well or how poorly they perform. Uh, Peg and Cat are a judge, and then this kind of curmudgeonly parrot is a judge, and. Basically, the whole thing is, like, how do they get to 10 if one judge gives two stars and they have to figure out that the other judge needs to give eight stars? And it's a good exercise in counting to 10 and the different ways to add up to 10, but it also is, like, everybody gets a 10. is a, Everybody gets a participation trophy, which is something that I don't a, love about the show and then the second part of this episode my opinion of peg plus cat took a real turn (laughs) in this episode so it begins at a play date on the purple planet and richard the alien tells peg plus cat that he wants to be first in line at the yellow gadget store and so they go to the store they get in line Richard throws a big fit about not being first in line and then Peg plays swapsies and like cheats her way to the front of the line and then that monster is the first in line and she tricks him to give up his spot in line making Richard first mm-hmm. WTF Yeah, I mean super I don't sneaky. care about the math lessons in this one this was Amoral,
1: moral
0: mm-hmm. an amoral lesson agreed they,
1: there was no mention about the fact that peg was being totally sneaky and cheating people out of their place in line
0: yeah this was terrible
1: it did both of these segments did however further endear richard to me because he had an awesome song in the game show episode about how great it is to be small And then he had a sad song in the long line episode about how much it sucks to always be at the end of the line. I don't know. I just, I like you, Richard. You're speaking my language. Oh,
0: I had the opposite reaction. I thought he was whiny. I thought he was a pain in the ass. I thought he was like an alien version of Caillou. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: All right. I, I am with you that the long line problem was definitely the worst. And I do think the Perfect Ten game show is the worst idea for a game show ever. Because I also object to the whole everybody gets a participation trophy thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the camp problem and the two homes problem. In the camp problem, it's summertime at Camp Mini Wawa and the gopher bunk which is composed of peg cat richard and ninja girl is that the only name they gave her i guess yeah okay uh and they're competing against the raccoon bunk which is composed of a pirate big mouth the monster a baby t-rex and i actually forgot who the other person was to prove which is the best bunk at camp And in every competition, which they're just like classic camp competitions, like the one where you race with an egg on a spoon and you try not to break it, the winning team, which is always the raccoons, gets 10 points, while the other team, which is always the gophers, gets five points for being good sports. Somehow, during the tug of war, the raccoons get stuck up a tree and the gophers rescue them and get enough points to make up for all their losses and win the best bunk competition. So that's that. At least they got to have a competition and they didn't both win. So that's good. Uh, and then in the two homes problem, Peg and Kat make 15 clay gophers as a gift for Jesse, who was their camp counselor at Camp Miniwawa. Because 15 in his favorite is his favorite number and they were in the gopher bunk. So since Jesse lives part-time with his mom and part-time with his dad, they are confused about how to divide the gophers between the two homes so they learn about the concept of doubling and make 15 more gophers. So Jesse has his favorite number of gophers in each home. So what did you think of this last one? Did it redeem Peg plus Cat for you at all?
0: Um, I was curious, like, why did they have to double the number of gophers? Why couldn't they have them? I know it was an odd number. But I th- why does he need more? What's he going to do with those gophers? <laughs> They're going to take up a lot of space. His rooms aren't that big. Yeah,
1: that's that's true. But they did establish that 15 was his favorite number. So yeah. I guess. Yeah. They, they didn't feel like seven and a half would cut it.
0: Yeah. This did not really redeem Pig Plus Cat for me. Richard was really annoying to me in the camp problem. I, The only thing I liked about these, this episode was um, the fascination of the little kids with the teenagers mm-hmm. um just because Libby is kind of like that like she is fascinated by teenagers she'll ask like are those kids teenagers <laughs> if she thinks that she spots teenagers Aww. they just have like so much more freedom but they're you know they're still have a safety net of living at home i think she's just really intrigued and they have a babysitter who's a teenager and they love her to death so Uh (laughs) (laughs) they're just curious about that that world that's coming up for them.
1: (laughs) I thought of you in the summer camp episode because you were a summer camp counselor when you were young weren't you? I was yeah. Did you find Camp Mini Wawa to be an accurate representation of what camp is like?
0: I liked that song that they sang. It was the same tune that
1: all camp songs are
0: set, all, like, camp, right. TV camp theme songs are set to, like, remember Salute Your Shorts. hmm Oh, I loved that show. So did I. <laughs> uh, this didn't really bring me back to the YMCA camp that I worked at. It was less competitive than this camp. <laughs> camp <Mini Wawa. laughs>
1: That's probably good. Camp Mini Wawa was pretty cutthroat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: they were having a competition
1: to see who was less competitive. <laughs> Come on. It uh, kind of seems like a family get together on my part. I also loved how Peg clearly had a crush on Jesse. <laughs> and it was so mm-hmm. cute. <laughs> I was here for it, Peg. So,
0: what do you think of the concept?
1: I love math so i was glad to see a whole show Mm -hmm. about math i liked how they incorporated music as well and i'm sure we'll get to that Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know on the whole peg and cat rarely asked for help from adults which is common in preschool shows but Mm -hmm. it was also clear that these were very kid-sized problems so Mm -hmm. it wasn't like paw patrol where like They don't ask adults for help, but they're, like, still somehow in charge of all the emergency services for the town. Right. Like, they don't ask adults for help, and they can solve these manageable and real, even if they're on the Purple Planet, problems. Mm -hmm. I I really liked that emphasis, I guess.
0: I also liked that the adults were tertiary, I'd say, Mm -hmm. or even not at all in the frame. Um, I wanted to like it more... Then I did, just because I really liked the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. This will kind of bring us into animation. <laughs> um, the setting on the characters is set up to be like a very childlike drawing. The background is actually graph paper, mm-hmm. which you can see in the close-ups. So it's supposed to be made to look like it's hand-drawn, mm-hmm. even though I'm sure it's not. Um, I loved the aesthetic. I thought it was really creative, original. The characters are animated in a two-dimensional way, mm-hmm. I think,
1: mm-hmm.
0: instead of three-dimensional CGI, which looks so fake
1: to me that I don't well, love it's, that. It's kind of like the idea that they're like doodles in a notebook, I thought.
0: Yeah. So I really liked the concept, but I didn't love the execution.
1: hmm well, it seems like they had a good idea and they were focused on like the math concept that they wanted to teach and they kind of forgot about the obvious faults in the rest of the the plot. Right, right. <laughs> um, I do agree with you about the aesthetic. It was very attractive to look at. It's probably because we just finished up holiday card season, but to me, the mm-hmm. thing that I couldn't stop thinking about when I was looking at this were holiday cards from Minted. Like, you know, they kind of have that dusky hue and they look a little bit homemade, but still polished. Almost like uh-huh. you buy them at Anthropologie or something. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, But I thought it was, it was really beautiful. And it did drag a bit. And maybe, I thought that was maybe just because... It had been a while since we watched a show that so explicitly was about teaching something. Mm-hmm.
0: and the- I think so. I think we just haven't watched a real yeah. preschool show in a while. And they are slower paced, <laughs> for good reason. How about, this is kind of blending again together, the voice cast and the music, mm-hmm. because there's so much music. Um, I didn't recognize any of the voice actors but I thought that they were all good musicians like especially that
1: pig what a beautiful beautiful tenor well I'm glad you mentioned that because I did look up the pig because I was curious and it turns out that uh the pig is voiced by Tommy Wazell who is an actual opera singer
0: it had to be is Mm -hmm. he a tenor or a bass
1: tenor good call okay
0: um, yeah i liked the songs they were good they were catchy like there was one about counting by tens that was could really be an earworm <laughs> and you could help your kids out when they're learning that concept i mm-hmm. thought it was good
1: i am a musical theater geek i don't know where musical theater falls on your list of uh musical loves
0: i like it but definitely not as and not as into it as you are.
1: Okay. So there was one song in the two house problem where, or the two home problem where Peg and Kat are walking down Jesse's street to deliver the gopher boxes. And mm-hmm. she sings a song about being on the street where Jesse lives. And it was obviously a send up of on the street where you live from my fair lady. Oh, I didn't catch that. And it was super cute, and I thought, have a lot of the other songs also been nods to musical theater songs that I just haven't picked up on? And I felt like maybe I was a bad musical theater nerd, so I was going to ask you if you caught any.
0: I didn't catch any of those references, except in the 10 game, there was like a knockoff of the Jeopardy theme song. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. A lot of the songs could have been riffs that we just didn't realize.
1: We weren't Because there's enough. a lot
0: of episodes where they can't make original songs <laughs> about
1: all of those number games, right? Because there are a lot of songs. It's not just like one song per episode. There's a lot of music. mm mm-hmm. um, Yeah. But as a result, I have had The Street Where You Live stuck in my head for – well, really just two days since I watched the show. <laughs> but I've been singing it all over the place and driving my family crazy. So um,
0: besides My Fair Lady, what uh, adult show did you compare this to at all?
1: I really struggled with this one. I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't really come up with a good adult show, except there was a very, very short-lived uh, called Downward Dog, and it was like a woman who talk to her dog. I I don't know. I think it lasted for like one episode. <laughs> um, I really couldn't think of a good adult movie or TV show that this compared to. Help me out. How about you?
0: I mean, the only thing I could compare it to really was uh, like a medical procedural or like a NCIS type procedural where it's the same characters,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: they've got a new problem every episode but they work together in the same way every episode to solve that problem Mm -hmm. so it it's like a very productible procedural generally I didn't compare it to anything very specifically though
1: kind of like it would be like the musical episode of Grey's Anatomy yeah 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 is that still a thing are like all the shows still doing random musical episodes I have no idea.
0: (laughs) I'm so out of the
1: loop. Um, I also wanted to ask, this is a little bit of circling back to the music of the show, because Peg plays the ukulele. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this, when did it debut? 2007, did we say? Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. So not that long ago. But I Mm -hmm. was just wondering what your stance was on the ukulele and whether it's gone full circle and become acceptable again. Because for a while it was so everywhere, right? I think it is
0: pretty popular as an instrument for elementary school kids to study. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's in popular music anymore.
1: I think it's just easy to play. Yeah, yeah. And easy for small fingers, too. Mm-hmm. And big fingers. Yeah. I mean, really, as an adult, you just, like, mash your hand on the neck, and it sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> did you cast the gritty HBO reboot?
0: I did, and I went with the math angle. So I am not a math nerd <laughs> like you are. Um, So I could use a review of some pretty simple concepts, like... This is dumb, but how to calculate a tip, I always, like, kind of get flustered when I'm filling out the check, especially if there's, like, other people who can possibly see me, like, counting on my fingers to to make sure I have everything right or, like, it's been a long time since I've made a legit Excel spreadsheet and Mm -hmm. I can't remember the formula to add up all the figures in a column I don't even remember the formula for the area of a circle. Mm-hmm. So what I could really use is somebody who's nice and approachable like Kristen Bell who also has a nice singing voice who can come up with some catchy songs that would give me a mnemonic for all of those daily life math problems that
1: I love this I, like a schoolhouse rock for grown-ups. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That sounds great.
0: Yeah, I have some,
1: I have some advice <laughs> on on tip calculating. Are you ready?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Y-
1: you just move the decimal place over one to get to ten percent, and then you yep. can easily you... be like, well, half of ten percent is this, and then you just double it to get twenty. I
0: double it because it's just easier mm-hmm. to get
1: to twenty. My brother has told me that
0: thing, but then I'm always worried I'm moving the decimal in the wrong spot. <laughs>
1: I just, well, if you're I have suddenly a lot tipping $1,000, then yes, you've done it wrong. <laughs> I would hope you could tell then that things might be getting out of hand. Although your waitstaff will love you.
0: <laughs> How about you? Did you cast a gritty HBO re-
1: reboot? I did. I did, though it's not as good as yours. I focused on the Peg Plus cat angle, and I decided I just want a show that once and for all removes the stigma against women living alone with a cat as if it's like this terrible thing so I want it to be like a show about a young woman making her way professionally in like a really male dominated field like I want her to be a doctor or a lawyer or something she's confronting the Mm -hmm. patriarchy and striking blows every day and she is succeeding like a boss and she just happens to have a pet cat who is awesome so I want this lead character to be played by Ali'i Cravallo. I don't know if that's how you pronounce her name uh from Moana Ooh, yeah she's getting old enough to get there mm-hmm. to like the young adult stage and if she's not quite old enough it can be set like during her education that's fine too mm-hmm. um, and I want Jacob Batalon? Batalon I don't know how he pronounces it um, but the boy who played Ned in the new Spider-Man movies okay um, I want him to be the Richard equivalent <laughs> <laughs> the kind of sad, sacky guy. <laughs> good. Yeah,
0: I like that. That's good. What kind of cat?
1: Oh, um, you know, I'm sitting here next to my two cats, and I feel like it would be cruel to uh, to choose one over the other. I mean, okay. it's TV, so like a solid color will probably look better on screen. Yeah, right. Probably. Isn't that what they say? So maybe we'll just r- remove all stigma and have it be a black cat. I like it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so was it better when we were kids?
1: You know, the only math show I could really even come up with was Three Two One Contact.
0: I know. Or else just like the number s- scenes from Sesame Street. There was nothing super math focused. And
1: three two one contact was a little more sciencey, right? You're right. Um, so scratch that and replace it with that Donald Duck cartoon about math that, uh, the math teachers always played on substitute days, uh, in <laughs> high school. Like, I don't know if you remember that one, but like, Donald learns that he learns about Pythagoras and like a string and how you cut the string in half and the note gets higher. Um, or like how the angles on a pool table work you remember that? Okay. I'm just talking. Okay. I I actually liked it. It was like one of the few times that uh, sort of the practical applications, and not even that, but like, why someone would be sitting around and be like, oh, yes, I think I'll invent calculus. Like, there was a reason for that. Like, they wanted to know what the area was under a curve. And that approach just makes so much sense. Why didn't they start with that when they were teaching us math? Right. All right. Done with math-related rant. Would you ever watch this show alone voluntarily? No. (laughs) Would you? No. (laughs) No. I would happily um, take some stills from the show and uh, recreate them as greeting cards. But Mm -hmm. uh, I would not watch this show alone voluntarily.
0: No. Do you think it's good for our
1: kids? It's tough because the math stuff is good and I... I would love to reinforce math concepts, but you're right about the questionable behavioral lessons that are being taught.
0: Yeah, I can't get behind it. I don't think I I don't like kids should watch this.
1: <laughs> oh, that makes me so sad.
0: I know. I maybe my expectations for
1: it were too high. I don't know. I mean, again, we've definitely watched worse maybe we should be on the lookout for another preschool math show that can counteract this one we'll put it on our radar yeah ratings yeah I you know I would give it a three that's perfect
0: because I was gonna say two and that equals five
1: (laughs) yes you're right everybody gets a five (laughs) Oh, everybody goes home happy. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time too. Please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, you know, you can just write a catchy little ditty for the ukulele and sing it to the heavens and uh, tell us how good we are that way. You can find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. That's also where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. You can tweet us with any show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or any general comments at at myscreentime2, or you can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye! Screen time! Screen time!
0: Screen time! Screen time!